God has always been faithful. I think when we stop and take inventory of that, we will see how faithful he has been. And um, that gives us a great hope of his faithfulness in the days ahead. Amen. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and 2 are sort of always known as the Christmas scriptures, and we're going to spend some time in them over the next few services. I think in the uh, bulletin you uh, saw, guys, I got just a little bit of ringing in me. You can cut me down just a little bit. I, it's hard enough for you guys to hear me. I don't need to hear me as well. So, uh, all right. Everybody hear me okay? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Luke chapter 1, go to verse Five, we'll pick up there in just a second, page 1,177, 1177 in the Pew Bible. I want to encourage you this week, if you'll take time to read Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. These chapters create the backdrop for Christmas and the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. They'll give you a head start on what we're going to cover between now and New Year's. Recall from last week, last week we focused on Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Let me just read those as a way to get us going into Luke. It says, but when the fullness of the time, remember we talked a little bit about it, it wasn't just a time, it was the time that God had planned. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. I like receive, it sort of sounds like a Christmas word. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I stopped while I was saying it and just noticed the fullness of the time. As you read Luke chapter 1, 2, and 3 this week, as you let that be a focus, pay special attention to time to the references to time or to the uniqueness of time and the events that take place. You see, the Christmas story is a beautiful passage of Scripture, but Christmas and this passage is one of the most precise and most planned events in history. You know, we talked about prophecy. For more than a thousand years, beginning going back as Asaph and David, for more than a thousand years, Christ had been prophesied. And even to go back to Genesis chapter 3, God told us that there was going to be one to come, and he is keeping that promise. Pray that you stand with me. Let's read together from Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 5 to 23. Luke chapter 1, picking up in verse 5, says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. 
Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient, the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel and who stands in the presence of God, who was sent to speak to you and bring these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, but for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to visit a lot of these scriptures as we walk through here. In this scripture, we are introduced to two people. They don't really show up much after the Christmas story, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, when we read scripture that we just read, Zacharias was a priest, and Elizabeth was the daughter of a priest of the line of Aaron. If they could trace back their genealogy, they would go all the way back to the line of priests. They had a great lineage. They came from a great branch on a family tree. Verse 6 says that they were both righteous before God. Verse 6 says that they both walked in the commandments and the ordinances of God. And then we're also told that they were older and without children. When we get just this glimpse of Zacharias and Elizabeth, they seem to be very godly people. Everything that we hear about them makes us like them and where they fit. Verse 8 says, Zacharias was serving at the temple. Note in verse 9, it says that his lot failed to burn incense. There was a time, remember I talked about in Galatians chapter 4, the fullness of the time. This is not just a coincidence that it's Zacharias's turn to be in the temple. It's not just luck. It's not just good fortune. It's not just that God was going to show up to any old body who was in that temple at that moment in that place. Church, this is a specific time that God had set for a specific person, Zacharias and Elizabeth, for a specific task to bring the, the, the forebearer, the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist, into the world. This was getting ready to happen. The fullness of the time. The providence of God was at work, always has been at work, will continue to be at work to bring about his good purposes. Zacharias is serving in the temple because God, through his providence, has seen to it that this moment, this time, was going to happen. 
You know, so many times when we read this story, we skip right past a very important thing. We read and we go, Zacharias was in the temple, and then the angel spoke to him, and they tell about all these good things. And we never stop and recognize what he was doing. Now, Scripture tells us that he had a responsibility as a priest. His lot failed to complete certain duties. And then the angel shows, and it says that he was burning incense. But I wanted to stop and talk for just a second about what he was doing. The Lord stopped me. And you know, every week, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Dig deep. Don't just read something. Read something and then read something deeper and deeper. Allow God to teach you something and put something into perspective. Because when we find out the details about what's going on, and you know, God's Word is a commentary on God's Word. Dig deeper and learn a little bit more. And I think it's important what he was doing. And in a few minutes, you're going to go, wow, that was important. Or you're going to go, wow, Jeff had fun in his office this week. That meant nothing to me. But let's just take a chance that maybe what God has thrilled me with, challenged me with, will also be insightful and encouraging to you here in just a moment. Zacharias had specific responsibilities that would take place. And if you were to look at the temple, Zacharias's responsibilities as a priest would take place in the place in the temple that is called the holy place. Now, this is not to be confused with a place that is called the most holy place. The most holy place is where God resided. The most holy place was behind the veil. We remember the veil from Easter story, right? Same veil separated the people from God's presence in the temple at that time, and Zacharias is serving in the holy place. Now, if you do research, and we studied this in Exodus as we were coming through, and we talked about the tabernacle and how it was created, and if you go back and study that or read that back in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you will find a lot of information there. But let me go ahead and tell you what I found. He had three specific responsibilities because in the holy place, there were three articles that God had instructed to be made, prepared, or built for the place called the holy place. Number one is he would take care of the golden lampstand. Now, this was an awesome work. It was one piece of gold, Exodus tells us, that was formed into this lampstand. We studied in Exodus. The priest would need to trim the wicks. The priest would need to keep the oil filled. This lampstand was to burn by the commandment of God every moment of every day from the day God instituted it until he stopped it, which meant that from Exodus, when the tabernacle was created, until the time of Zacharias, that there was a priest whose job was to keep that lamp burning. You see, when you study the tabernacle in the most holy place, this was the only form of light in the holy place. And without an effective keeping the light going, it would be dark in there. And I'm reading this, and I'm going, that's interesting. And then the Spirit of God says, do you know that Scripture, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the only way to God. So that lampstand has a purpose and a reminder to us that it's a precursor to Jesus. 
The priest would have a second responsibility. It would be to care for the table of the bread of the presence. That's its technical name. This table held 12 loaves of bread. They were placed originally there by Aaron and his sons in the original tabernacle. These loaves represented the 12 tribes of Israel. The priests were allowed to eat from this bread. This bread was a reminder of God's covenant with his people and of his provision and this bread would be replaced each week. It was the priest's responsibility to replace this bread. And then the Spirit of God reminded me that Jesus is the bread of life. By giving his body. You know, when we take communion, when we remember what Jesus did for us, we remember what he did through his body and how it was broken for us. And I'm going, that's interesting. Zacharias is taking care of a table that symbolizes Jesus. And then the priest would also care for the altar of incense. And it's the altar of incense that the angel is standing beside, Scripture teaches us, when he shows up to talk to Zacharias. The Lord required that this incense be burned continually on the altar. And in Exodus chapter 30, there's a recipe given for this incense. And it's a special incense, and it's only to be used on this altar to burn. It's not to be, and Scripture even teaches, don't take it home and don't use it anyplace else. This is for a specific purpose. On the Day of Atonement, only once per year. See, Zacharias is going in for his weekly responsibilities, for his daily responsibilities where it's his turn. But once a year, the high priest would walk into the most holy place where the presence of God was, and he would take incense from this altar in with him that had been continually burning by God's recipe since the beginning. And this day of atonement, when this incense went in, it was part of the process of redeeming the sins of the people. And then I remembered Hebrews 9.26 says that Jesus Christ would become the only and once for all atonement for man's sin. How fitting. When you stop for just a second and you go, Zacharias in God's time was in the place that God created, fulfilling the responsibilities that God gave him, and every single one of those articles that he was tending to were symbolic of the gift of Jesus that was coming one day. How fitting that God would reveal his redemption plans in a place that Jesus would soon make unnecessary. Just a brief 33 years from this point, that veil is torn. Do you know that unless this day happens, that day doesn't happen? And we still are separated from God. And so Zacharias was continually knowing. And do you know, when you start thinking about that, you mean, Jeff, every day somebody did that. Every day somebody took care of the lamp. Somebody took care of the bread. Somebody took care of the incense. Every single day for thousands of years, and the answer is yes. And you know why? Because God said so, and he said, and you'll do it until I tell you to do differently. The church can I tell you he's getting ready to tell us to do differently. That's what Jesus, Jesus says, I came to make it all different. Aren't you excited about that? Verse 11, 
says that it's beside this altar of incense that the angel of the Lord, verse 19 tells us his name is Gabriel. We meet Gabriel again here in just a few verses. He actually talks to Mary. And this angel said, first of all, don't be afraid. But then the second thing he said, in summary, is your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. Now, we can understand by the context of the rest of the conversation that we've read already that Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a child. Now, we don't know how long. We're not given that. We just know that the angel of the Lord said, your prayer has been heard. Now, let me just stop for just a second. You may have a prayer that is on your heart, something that has burdened you, something that you've been praying for for a long, long time. I do. I have more than one of those. Can I tell you that God hears it? God hears it. And a God who is so precise at Christmas, a God who is so precise in the planning of the time, a God who is so precise in everything that he's done, he has a purpose for you. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, the cool thing about it is the angel said, your prayer's been heard. That prayer was getting ready to get answered. Do you know sometimes I'm afraid as children of God, we sometimes might get frustrated, might get tired, might get off track, and we give up a long time, maybe just right before God was getting ready to do something. So there's a testimony of their faithfulness right here. Verse 13, the angel said, you will have a son and you will call his name John. Now, this will not just be another baby. Let me give you some summary statements that I took from that scripture. He will bring joy and gladness to many. It's what babies do. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. The Lord already says through this statement, I got a purpose for him and a plan for him. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. Church, we need to understand that we are not yet at the time of Zacharias and Elizabeth. We are not yet in the come to know Jesus, Holy Spirit resides in you stage. We are in God grants the Holy Spirit at times. In the Old Testament, it was given and taken away. Or if you're with David, it was given and never taken away. But we're in a period of time where it's not yet become this automatic infilling of God's presence. Except John. John's getting ready to get it. He says, this baby will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. Scripture also says that he will turn many people toward God. Do you know that at this moment, the way that you are thinking, the way that you are living, the way that you are acting, you are either turning people toward God or away from them? Braden talked last night. He said there was a time, I'm not trying to steal your thunder, I just can't stop it. Or he said, if we're not careful, we can lose track. You see, everything that's supposed to happen up here for Summerbrook and the Mountain Faith Band is to bring people toward God. But if we're not careful, church, we can take whatever God has given to us and stop using it for the purpose he's given it to us, and then it just becomes something else we do. And God said that this John the Baptist, he will turn people toward God. Same is true for you. You're either turning people toward God 
or you're turning people away from God. You see, it's an active choice you must make because failing to turn people toward God is by default turning them away from him. Scripture says that he will be the one who goes before the Messiah. He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, and he will help prepare the way for Jesus. Their prayer was heard. I want to go back and talk about that for just a second because I just can't get away from that. Do you know, I mentioned to you that I have those prayers in my life, and you probably do, that you're just holding on to it. God, please, God, please, God, please. Do you know that sometimes in the time that passes, if we're not careful, we can become unfaithful? We can become hard to stay encouraged and upbeat. And perhaps today, God is just sharing this to you to say whatever that burden is, don't you let go. You might be getting ready to let go of that prayer request and think it's hopeless. It is not hopeless. For with God, we learn at Christmas and many other ways, all things are possible. Amen. But note this about Zacharias and Elizabeth. They had this burden. They were old, which means they'd been praying for this child for many years, but yet they continued to live faithfully. They kept moving forward. They kept praying. They kept working. They kept serving God. And God entered into their lives in a moment where they were faithfully serving him. God comes to them as they were going about their lives seeking him. I can do that. Can't you do that? Desire today to seek God first. Desire to seek his purposes and his promises in life. To be faithful and to continue to carry that burden. They stayed faithful and carried their burden. If we're not careful, we'll think that we can stay faithful or carry a burden. That if we have a burden, there's no way for us to be faithful. That's just not scripturally true. Not just here, but other places. Do you know that most, probably all, faithful people in Scripture also carried a burden? So whatever you're carrying, God knows. Just stay faithful. Be encouraged. Be faithful. Be ready. Because just like Zacharias is finding out while he was being faithful, God could step in at any moment and say, it's time. You don't want to miss it, church. Zacharias and Elizabeth, good lineage, godly people, praying people, faithful people, obedient people, serving people, angel just visited me, people, prayer going to be answered, people. They have really got it going on. You're going, man, they got it right. I want to be that faithful. And then verse 18 pops up. Zacharias said to the angel, how should I know this? Now, we could read this as a question. That's very reasonable. But we know, based on the angel's response, it was not seen as a question that was very reasonable. It was seen as an absolute unbelief of what God had just said was going to happen. 
Just paraphrase what Zechariah said is that can't happen. I'm too old. She's too old. That's not going to happen. That's what he said. Zacharias doubted what God said. How does that happen? How does a person go from being everything Zacharias and Elizabeth are? Faithful, 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 serving, 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 present, present, all of these things, and then when God shows up, they go, nope, not going to happen. Well, the angel said, you've got one problem. You don't believe. Church, there's a very big deal right there. It says that we can serve, give, go, tell, pray, sing, walk, work. We can do all of those things. But if we do not believe, they're all worthless. And many people, we build our lives on all of those very positive attributes of a life. But we don't believe. You know, there will come some moment in your life, just like it did in Zacharias's, just like it will in mine, just like I know it will in yours, where God will say, okay, let's see if this belief that you say you have, let's see if it's real. And you'll be put in a position where you're going to have to either trust God or not. And it won't be a choice you'll make. It'll be a reaction that you will have naturally out of your life. And Zacharias, he failed the test. Everything looked good but he failed the test. You see, unless we believe, nothing else matters. This is a heart issue. This is a belief issue. It is a faith that God desires from us, not anything else. Everything else should stem from that faith and belief, not be used as a replacement for that faith and belief. While Zacharias should have been faithful in the moment, he was not. But notice what God did. God didn't pull away from him. You know, so many times in our lives when, when we see faithful people not act faithfully, we tend to give up on them and walk away. But God does not, and aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that when we fail God, God does not walk away and say, okay, all my plans are changing now. No, God said, okay, I'll just teach you who I am. I'll show you who I am. And the angel said, because you did not believe. Man, there's a whole lot right here. Yeah. The angel said, because you did not believe, you're not going to be able to speak until this thing that I tell you is going to happen, happens. Good. Do you know that Zacharias' failure to believe cost him? As it will to me and to you, if we're not careful. What thing? This baby being born. God will teach Zacharias to trust him. Scripture teaches that God will, if you're his child, he will not stop working in your life until you are like his son. Failure or not, he's going to continue to work in us to bring about 
his good purpose, our sanctification through Jesus. What is God trying to teach you? Where do you need to learn to trust God? Where are you challenged right now in believing God? Just a great reminder. Verse 21, this, must, this whole conversation must have taken a long time because it says that the people marveled it took him so long. Now, the people understand what length of time this takes. They've been watching it and watching. You know, the, the verse said that the people prayed outside this whole time while he was doing this. And this had been happening for many, many years. Yet, all of a sudden, Zacharias is in there a long time. Now, I don't know what all was said and done, and this might just be all that was said and done, and that's just nor longer than it normally takes. Scripture says that sure enough, he finished his days of service speechless and returned home. If you've got your Scripture open, let me read verses 24 and 25. It said, now after those days, the days of his service, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Elizabeth expects a baby, and for nine months, all Zacharias can do is listen. He can't speak. A nine-month-long teaching plan. See, I get restless when God doesn't answer my prayer in nine hours, nine days, nine weeks. God says, listen, Zacharias, because of your unbelief, you just signed up for a nine-month-long faith-building class. If you got your scripture open, flip over to verse 57. This is Christmas. We need to read many of these scriptures. <coughs> verse 57. Now, we'll come back in between here. There's a lot of special things that happened in chapter 1 that we just skipped over, but we'll come back to them. Verse 57 said, Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child and that they would have named him called him the name of his father, Zacharias. And his mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. You know, Zacharias couldn't speak up because he's not yet talking. But they said to her, there's no one among your relatives whose name but called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Time for the baby boy to be born. There was confusion over what his name was going to be because John is the name that God said you would call him, and sometimes family plans are different. So they asked Zacharias what the baby's name was, and he said, it's going to be John. He wrote that part down. Notice in verse 64, immediately. Immediately after faithfully saying his name would be John, he got his voice back. 
Look what Scripture said that he did. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he said, give me that baby. No. He said, I am so glad to have my voice back. No. Nine months of faith training by God had taught him one thing, that your voice, if it can only be used for one thing, must be used to praise God. Everything we do must be about praising God, lifting high the name of God. What a beautiful name it is, amen? And in a time when he could have talked about anything, he not had conversation for nine months. In a time he had been taught, God said, listen, I have fixed you. You have gone through this class of faith building that I have taken you through. Now let's see what you learn. Took the took the lemon off his voice, and he starts praising God. It's pretty awesome. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're going to follow my encouragement and read chapters 1, 2, and 3, you're going to read verses 67 to 79. That's where his praise is recorded for us in Scripture. It took nine months to really learn to trust God. Ask you this question. See, we know that Zacharias lived well, looked good, but when it came time for faith, he failed, and God had to take him to task and to class, and in nine months, he learned it. How long did it take you? How long did it take you to really learn to trust God, to believe in him? Maybe a better question is, are you there yet? Perhaps you feel as though you are in the class called teach me to trust you, God. And God has taken something or is doing something in your life that is drawing you to him. Go that way. Go with it. God will bring you to that faith. Are you there yet? That's what we can learn from Zacharias and Elizabeth. Are you there yet? When you read Scripture, do you know what changed Zacharias's mind about God? One thing happened, one thing happened that changed Zacharias's mind about God. A baby was born. What's it going to take in your life for you to let go of whatever and to give it to God? This moment, something will happen, and you will either believe God or you won't believe God. Right now, that's true of your life. You are either believing God or you are not. And you know, the thing about it is, I can't tell. You look good. You're here. Many of you went to Sunday school. Some of you filled out your pink envelopes and you've given a tithe and an offering and you've probably given to Lottie Moon on top of that. Some of you have gone through a life of going, I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't do this and I don't do this. And I'm faithful and I try to do all these things. So I won't know. But do you know who had an idea of Zacharias's belief problem? God. He knew exactly how to get to it, and exactly how to deal with it, and exactly how to fix it. 
So maybe at this Christmas, we need to ask God, God, help me have the faith that you want me to have. Lead me to that. You see, I didn't say believe in God. Believing in God is not what Scripture calls us to do. It even says that the demons believe in God. We need to believe God. John chapter 20, verse 31, as I close, says, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Believe. I don't know where you are in the class of how to come to faith in God, but God does. He knows whether you're there or not. He knows whether you just signed up for the class or he knows whether he's getting ready to just let you graduate. But our lives are either drawing people toward God or they're pushing them away. Amen? At Christmas, it's a great message to say we should go out and tell the world the message of Christmas. But I can promise you this, that when we turn over to January, God's Word will tell you it's still time to tell people about Jesus.